This is The Guardian. Today, how Britain's homeowning dream became a new build nightmare. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Six years ago, Louise Rickman was on the hunt for her dream family home. Somewhere in the countryside, but not too far from the city. Somewhere with great views and lots of space. They found their ideal house. It had a huge kitchen diner, four bedrooms, and it was going to be completely new. We bought it just nine months after getting married. We'll probably start a family in this house. It felt very grown up. (laughs) That's what it felt like at the time. They bought the house off plan in January 2018 and spent six excited months waiting as it was built. In June, it was finally time, move-in day. It was actually nothing like it what it should be. There was no canopy on the front of our house and the garden hadn't been laid. It was still a building site, effectively. But that was just the start. There was big cracks in the tiles, so they'd broken tiles, but they'd yet continued to lay them or they'd cut them wrong so we could see the concrete underneath. The bay window out the back, there was a big crack in the roof. The garage door wouldn't shut. I remember our kitchen cabinets being taken off the walls so they could sort out the mould. It doesn't fill you with confidence, does it? Not at all. (laughs) Not at all. Their response was, oh, well, as a gesture of a goodwill, we'll give you a £50 John Lewis voucher, (laughs) which actually, to this day, we've never got. And Louise isn't alone. Across social media, people are complaining about the quality of their new build homes. Groups called things like, don't buy a persimmon home, and David Wilson homes hell. They have thousands of upset and angry members. Meanwhile, over on TikTok, Orlando Murphy from New Home Quality Control has gone viral for his videos exposing the shoddy work of cowboy builders. This heater is completely loose. And well, this ducting is so loose that it's fallen off. And why has nobody noticed that that's happened? He's part of an industry of snaggers, professionals who inspect new homes and catalogue their defects. This developer's gone for the apocalypse finish. I love it. These architrave mitre joints have cracked. Look at this. Oh, what's that song? If you gap beyond, you know it, clap your hands. This window frame has been as It's a thriving business because new homes in Britain are crumbling. From The Guardian, I'm Nasheen Iqbal. Today in Focus, why can't we build proper homes in Britain? Louise, you bought your house from David Wilson Homes and some of the problems you initially found seemed quite surface level, potentially just cosmetic. That's just where the problem started. Can you tell me what else you found? Yeah, absolutely. So it wasn't until about a year later 
that we were all sat having a family breakfast and we noticed water dripping from the ceiling onto the breakfast table. And what it was, was water sewage from the bathroom. There was a backup of water that just didn't know where to go. And it was bursting through the pipes and coming through the ceiling into the kitchen. It sounds like one of those awful sort of comedy scenes in a film. You're at (laughs) a family dinner and sewage water starts leaking through the ceiling. It's so grim. Yeah, it's really grim. We jumped on the phone to David Wilson and the next day they came to sort it. And then it sort of went away a little bit, but then came back again on my birthday. We'd gone out for dinner and we'd come home that night and I went to shut the blinds in our living room and they were drenched in water. And as we looked up into the ceiling of the bay window, there was a big bulging patch of just water. And we've had the house re-rendered twice. And it was the same with our bathroom with the sewage issues as well. You know, we've had three different showers. There was areas of the house that they hadn't finished building. So there was a gap between one of our outside walls and the roof where about three or four bricks hadn't been laid. So it's just... We just moved into a house that hadn't been built properly. Can you tell me how you felt during this time, waking up in what's supposed to be your dream house and it often being what sounds like a nightmare? Oh, gosh. Angry, upset. It didn't feel like our house. And I feel like we're always living with some form of anxiety that something is going to go wrong next. It's our home. We want to come home to a house where we can relax and feel safe. And it really wasn't like that because we would come home and sit and write emails late into the evening about what had gone wrong next and battling David Wilson. And it was just continuous. Therefore, you just don't form any attachment to the house. It doesn't feel like it's yours. It just feels like a chore, basically. And how did the house building company respond when you went to them with these many, many complaints? How did they respond initially? Not great, if I'm honest. I think cosmetically, they would respond initially. You get a two-year guarantee with the builders to begin with. And then as the builders moved off site, it became slightly trickier to deal with. And then when it came to the bigger problems, such as the sewage leak and the water ingress from outside, we just wouldn't get a response from David Wilson or they would try and fog us off with some other excuse or they'd come and sort it out and they would put a plaster over the issue, if you like. So... With the water ingress, with the rainwater, one of the responses that we'd got from one of the contacts within David Wilson was, well, you do live on a house on a hill with an exposed field in front of you. So what do you expect? (laughs) Not water ingress in a new built house. What does that mean? Exactly. (laughs) You'd think that you'd buy a house that would be watertight. It was just a bit ridiculous, basically. I mean, we couldn't believe that response. And then again, when it came to, you know, the sewers issues, how much toilet paper are you using? And does the main bathroom, does it get much usage? They even asked us what ply toilet roll we use. (laughs) Oliver Wainwright, you're the Guardian's architecture and design critic. How would you describe the state of the UK's house building industry? I would say pretty fundamentally broken at every imaginable level, whether it's, you know, the kind of physical quality of construction to the what's actually available on offer in terms of the limited range that customers have to choose from, to the kind of monopoly that the big volume house builders have over the supply of land. It's kind of rotten at every possible stage of the industry. So who builds new homes in Britain? 
I would say there's a cabal of very few big house building companies. And it's changed a lot over the years. If you think back in 1960, the 10 biggest house builders in the UK built just 9% of all homes. And now the 10 biggest companies build more than half the number of homes. So the kind of lack of competition, I think, is at the crux of why the quality is so bad, because essentially they have no reason to provide a better product. There's a limited supply of land and there's actually no incentive for the builders to build any more homes. Their business model is about producing as few homes as possible in order to preserve their profit margins, essentially, and and preserve the value of the homes. And why do you think there is such a monopoly of so few companies controlling such a large share of the house building market now? It's a lot of reasons. I, I think a lot of it comes down to this slightly invisible industry of kind of land agents. So when we talk about house builders, often they're not actually building homes. They're companies which are kind of buying up land getting planning permission for housing on that land and essentially flipping it because, you know, agricultural land is worth a certain amount and land with planning permission for housing can be worth, you know, up to five, sometimes 10 times that amount. So there's a very lucrative industry in buying up plots, getting permission and selling them on. And that process can actually happen several times until it reaches a developer or a company that's actually planning to build. And during that time, obviously, the value has increased and the ability for any kind of affordable housing provision decreases, given that the costs are then so high by the time a kind of willing builder is willing and able to build. I mean, that's the fundamental kind of source of the problem Mm. is that how kind of rotten our land market is, essentially. Ollie, what kind of profit are these companies making per home? That's changed a lot. There was a study done by the Sheffield Hallam University that showed that before the financial crisis in 2008, an average home netted a pre-tax profit of around £30,000. By 2017, that had more than doubled to £62,000. And at the same time, shareholder dividends rose from £400 million to more than £1.8 billion. Just to give an example, Persimmon, over the last decade, their costs per home increased by about 17%. Mm. And over the same time, their profits almost quadrupled. So they complain, you know, costs are rising, which is why they have to increase the cost of their homes. But the amount of profit is not proportional to the tiny increasing costs. How is that even possible? I mean, there's nothing to regulate them, essentially. I mean, they're allowed to to charge as much as they like and squeeze construction costs as much as they like. Fundamentally, it's not a regulated industry. Builders in the UK don't have to be certified. It's not the same as being a gas or electrical engineer. Anyone can call themselves a builder. So I would say, yeah, there's a lack of regulation and certification in the industry, which has allowed this situation to develop over time. Ollie, how does the quality of these homes generally compare to the rest of the housing stock in Britain? I mean, I suppose the shocking thing is that, you know, if you buy a new build home, you're generally paying a 10% premium because it's new, you know, in the same way that buying a new car is more expensive than buying a a second-hand car. You're usually guaranteed a much worse quality product. You know, I would say buying a, a Victorian terraced house probably has fewer surprises lurking in the attic and the basement than buying a brand new persimmon home. So I would generally say the quality of new builds is not as good as the quality of a a century or even two centuries old home in the UK. And you've written extensively about how shoddy British house building is. Was the industry always like this? So it's a problem that's been around for decades. Successive independent government reviews have all found the same kind of thing. I mean, in 1994, we had the Latham report called Constructing the Team. The conclusion was that the construction industry was adversarial, fragmented, incapable of delivering for its clients and lacking respect for its employees. It's things that we're still seeing today. Four years after the Latham report, there was the Egan report called Rethinking Construction. 
which founded very similar failings, finding the industry crippled by an aging workforce and a crisis of training. Then in 2016, there was the Pharma Review called Modernize or Die, almost identical conclusions that the industry faced an inexorable decline caused by dysfunctional training, a lack of innovation and collaboration, and non-existent research and development. Successive reports have found exactly the same thing. So lots of reports, lots of reviews, but very little action. What is going wrong with the industry? It's suffering from a number of kind of fundamental problems that have got worse over time. I suppose access to training and attitudes to training. Whereas once upon a time we had kind of apprenticeship schemes where you would learn on the job how apprenticeships aren't taken very seriously. I spoke to one builder whose son is currently doing apprenticeship and he said it's like a a training in how to do sloppy shortcuts you know he's also being used as a kind of dog's body on site so not really actually learning how to be a carpenter or a bricklayer but being used to kind of sweep up detritus and you know do kind of dog's body work so I think the lack of training is a key issue since Brexit we've had a fundamental kind of loss of skilled workers I think in 2020, towards the end of the Brexit transition period, we lost more than a quarter of our EU-born workforce. Some of the most skilled builders you know, were forced to leave. And the following year, the number of construction vacancies in the UK more than doubled, while the number of job applications dropped by more than half. So there is a critical dearth of skilled builders, essentially, in this country, and it's not made any better by the, the lack of training and, and certification. So recruitment's obviously a problem training you think is well inadequate yeah and it's a cultural thing i mean the problem is you know in this country like going into a manual trade isn't seen as a kind of desirable or respectable thing to do if you compare us to a lot of other european countries you know like germany for example has a nationally certified master craftsperson qualification yeah, which is literally the equivalent of getting an undergraduate degree right it's taken very seriously and you, you require that national certification to set up a business as any kind of tradesperson and that, since that was reintroduced in Germany, the, the quality of homes has gone up considerably. And it's something that we just choose to ignore at our barrel. Okay, so you've mentioned there are problems with recruitment, with retention, with training and certification. But in terms of why shoddy houses are being built, isn't there some oversight? Where does that come into it? There's a lack of responsibility on building sites. I mean, we used to have this job called Clerk of Works who would work for the client and basically oversee the quality of construction on site. That job essentially no longer exists. Building of a house has been kind of atomized into all of these different trades, none of whom often kind of know each other. It's people working on a day rate or, or on a kind of piece rates and they turn up, do their thing and then go off to the next site. So there's a general kind of building site culture of, you know, if the next guy damages my work, you know, that's not my problem. I'm not responsible for that. And often they're paid by the number of pieces, you know, say the number of staircases they can do in a day, for example. So the incentive is to obviously do it as fast as possible and then move on to the next project. Very often the different builders on a site haven't worked together before. There's quite a combative culture on site. And then the one system that we do have for checking things are built properly, the building control approved inspector system, they're not actually responsible for coming to check every stage of work. They might visit a big construction site and check, you know, the foundations of one house, for example, but they're not going to check every single plot. Mm. And, and also the building control system has been progressively privatised. It used to be run by local authorities. It was a public sector system. Now they're private companies. And I spoke to several architects who said, oh, yeah, you know, the building inspector will happily sign off work without 
visiting the site, you know, we just send them some photos and they say that that's fine. You know, so it's obviously very easy to kind of hide shoddy construction in the current system. So only what role do local authorities, central government or any regulatory body overlooking the building industry have to play in all of this? Not much, to be honest. I think that's one of the fundamental problems. Finally, about two years ago, the Conservative government, after lots of pressure from campaigners, launched this new entity called the New Homes Ombudsman, where if you had a problem, you would go to the ombudsman and and then they would adjudicate with the house builder in question. The people I've spoken to say that the system completely kind of lacks teeth because it doesn't actually have the power to fine any organisation or kind of uphold standards. All they can do is, you know, ask for an apology, um, ask for a small refund, things like that. And in May this year, having been established for over a year, the Ombudsman had only actually received one eligible complaint. Wow. And people are saying, actually, you know, we need something much stronger, like the Financial Conduct Authority that has the ability to fine banks when they get something massively wrong. At the moment, house builders are allowed to kind of build these shoddy homes with impunity without any risk of being penalised. Louise, did the house building company ever offer you compensation? Yes and no. Back in September, October 2019, so we'd been in the property for a year and it was just when the sewage leak had happened and we were without power that day, without water that day. And so we jumped straight on the phone to David Wilson. It was a Sunday, so they didn't respond. And it wasn't until the following day, because I had also jumped on Twitter to moan, and they responded very quickly saying, we'll sort this out. It's a gesture of apology. At least can you sign this NDA and we'll send you £500, of which there was no way we were signing that. So they said they'd give you £500 if you agree to sign a non-disclosure agreement, which would mean that legally you wouldn't be allowed to talk about any of this. What happened then? Towards the end of 2021, I was heavily pregnant and we'd gone through a year of what felt like living in a building site. And the week before Christmas, they contacted us and said, as a gesture of goodwill, we'd like to offer you some money. That was something that we hadn't expected. We're in contact with our neighbours and they all received the same email as well. And so we sort of wrote back and we pushed for it to go a little bit higher. So I think we got about four and a half thousand pounds for it. And we accepted it on the grounds of that if there were any issues to arise with the remedial work, this wouldn't override it. It was apology money. So you'd formed almost, I guess, a local support group with each other. But were you and the neighbours aware of what your rights were? don't think so. If I'm completely honest, no. I think we were all just battling it completely blinded, but with the support of each other. I mean, I still, to this day, don't really know what my rights are. Finally, Louise, I almost don't dare ask, but are you still having problems with your house now? I think we're pretty much there. (laughs) I just, I live in hope that we're there, but there's always something in the back of your mind where you think, oh, am I going to find something that they haven't done properly. (laughs) I mean, there's always bits and pieces that we roll our eyes out, try to put a shelf up in my son's room. We can't stick the shelf up because the shelf is straight and the wall is wonky. So you sort of just have to roll your eyes and now make a joke of it because actually there's nothing they can do about that. They can't come and knock the wall back down. I really hope we are through the big issues. But then I can only hope I'm not 100% sure because when we've had four years of issues so it hasn't filled me with the greatest confidence going forward but we shall see coming up 
What can be done to fix Britain's house-building industry? Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Ollie, why do you think it is that people are still opting to buy new builds when there's all these risks involved? I think because so often, I mean, there's a real lack of choice. So sometimes it is the only option if you're looking to buy in a particular area. And I would also say, you know, schemes like the government's help to buy really funnel people towards new builds. And again, the help to buy, you know, has actually turned out to basically be another gift to house builders because they have increased the prices and the help to buy premium you know goes straight into their pockets but it forces a lot of first-time buyers to only consider new builds and often they are in the kinds of locations that young professionals are, are looking for so if yeah if you're limited to a particular area sometimes it's your only choice with each government promising to build more homes and there's this acknowledgement of a housing crisis and the urgent need to have more homes for people why do you think it is that the government historically hasn't addressed these issues about the poor quality build of what we're actually getting? Mainly because they want to keep the house builders happy. It was recently published that more than 10% of Tory party donations come from the property industry. You know, so there's this incredibly powerful lobbying group and the pressure to kind of maintain the status quo. And in the meantime, there's a bunch of new houses that are being built that aren't really fit for more than one generation. It just seems so short-sighted. Yeah, 
It does. I mean, with the climate emergency, you know, we're building homes, I think, with a maximum lifespan of 60 years, if we're lucky, often more like 40 years. So there's a real short termist view in the construction sector. And that doesn't just go for homes either. It goes for office buildings and all, all kinds of projects. They're not often built to last more than a single generation. And given the embodied carbon in the built environment, 40% of global carbon emissions come from construction. Mm. So we really need to make sure that the carbon that we are emitting is going to be around for you know at least the next century or two in the form of buildings that last, not buildings that are going to have to be torn down within a generation. What could be done to address Britain's problem with building decent homes? I think we need reform at every single level of the house building industry. So we need to reform the education of kind of tradespeople. We need to make manual trades an attractive option for school leavers, introducing something like Germany's master craftsperson qualification, a proper culture on site in terms of each person being responsible for their task and kind of the different trades working together. That in itself it would only happen if there is a proper kind of on-site oversight system. So bringing back something like the clerk of works, you know, job which is literally about monitoring the quality of construction. And then I think kind of further up the chain, we need to break up the monopoly of the big house builders. And then introducing a proper regulatory authority like the Financial Conduct Authority that has the power to really you know, find these companies and punish them when they do things wrong, rather than this very kind of lacklustre ombudsman that can't really deal with complaints properly and has no jurisdiction to apply proper standards. And finally, Ollie, if you were to give any advice, given everything you've learnt to someone who's looking to buy a new home, what would it be and what should they do first before they buy it? Make sure you can visit before you buy and conduct a thorough inspection with one of these professional snagging companies. Because so many of the things are kind of hidden, you know, they're in the loft or in the basement or lurking under the bathtub. And unless you're visiting with a trained professional or, or allowing a trained inspector into the, the building, it's likely that you, you won't see many of these things yourself. You know, they're kind of hidden horrors that will emerge one or two years down the line when often it's too late to get your money back. You know, so I was speaking to someone that said you have more rights in the UK if you buy a toaster <laughs> than if you buy a house. You, know, you can't send your house back to the house builder, whereas you can if it's something like a toaster. So um, you really have to do your homework. And, and I would also speak to other people that have bought from those same house building companies. You know, there are plenty of Facebook groups and other forums now where people share their experiences. So it's possible to do your research before you buy. Ollie, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Good to chat. That was The Guardian's architecture and design critic, Oliver Wainwright, and Louise Rickman. My thanks to both of them. You can read Oliver's article, Crack Tiles, Wonky Gutters, Leaning Walls, Why Are Britain's New Houses So Rubbish? at theguardian.com. We put Louise's story to Barrett David Wilson's Southwest. A spokesperson said, We are very sorry for the issues that Mr. and Mrs. Rickman had with their home. We did not meet our usual high standards as a five star builder, but over time we worked to remedy all of the issues and, in recognition of the poor experience they had, provided compensation. In response to Oliver's reporting, a spokesperson for Persimmons said, The company is committed to building right first time, every time, and are sorry when the customers face any problems. Some of the issues identified were not, we believe, caused by us, but we have sought to rectify them to support these customers. We are sorry for the inconvenience these customers have faced and will continue to work with them to resolve their concerns. And that's it for today. This episode was produced by George McDonough and Tom Glasser. Sound design was by Adam Bransbury. The executive producer was Elizabeth Casson. We'll be back again tomorrow. This is The Guardian. 
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.